They've got their house lined up now, and they'll be gone next week, but they'll be here in two weeks. Uh, it'll be the last Sunday, so we're going to plan a little uh, special fellowship time on that Sunday, so you can plan on that, okay? And maybe hear from you one more time. Okay. If you were asked to trace all of your problems and troubles back to only two things, what would they be? My guess is that eventually you would arrive at people and money. For isn't it true that the vast majority of our problems stem from personal relationships and financial concerns? You know, even, even health problems are complicated, if not actually caused, by relationships and finances. So if most, if not all, of our troubles and problems can be reduced to two things, people and money, you'd think we'd be able to get a handle on them. And we can, if we're walking in the Spirit. And Paul wants to make sure we know how to do that. After showing us what a Spirit-filled life looks like, he goes on to show us how that Spirit-filled life is to affect our personal relationships and, believe it or not, our finances. So today we're going to look at personal relationships, and next week we'll look at the proper use of money. Well, Paul introduces this matter of personal relationships with a very straightforward statement that contains the key to establishing good relationships. We find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Very simple statement. There's a lot of meat in there. I think he's telling us that the key to establishing good relationships is keeping self in proper perspective. And Paul zeroes in on it with the words, let us not become boastful. The King James translates it, let us not be desirous of vain glory, empty glory, glory that's not really ours. And the revised version puts it, let us have no self-conceit. Well, what does this have to do with personal relationships? Well, quite simply this. Our conduct toward others is determined by our opinion of ourself. When we have self-conceit, we challenge and envy one another. That's why Paul ties them together here. If we think we're better than others, we'll have to prove it. We'll have to be the fastest gun in the West. And when we think we're the best, we, we challenge, we provoke, we compete. And that's obviously no way to build good relationships. Neither will we build good relationships if we're envious of others. And even though we might not think self-conceit, would lead to envy, it does. If we think we are more deserving than someone else, we will envy them. We should have whatever it is they have that we think should be ours. 
And what kind of relationship are we going to build with someone if every time we're around them, we're green with envy? And also, maybe a bit surprising, the same problems arise at the other end of the spectrum. An unrealistically low opinion of self can lead to conflict and envy. If we don't think we measure up to most, we will find some against whom we do. We'll gravitate toward those who, by comparison, do make us look good and then compete with them on that level. And we'll still be envious of others. We will resent those who have what we wish we deserved. Either way, with an exalted or diminished view of self, we'll be in trouble. We're not going to build good relationships until we see ourselves properly. So how should we see ourselves? Quite simply, as undeserving recipients of grace. I know that goes against our culture because we're taught to think we deserve everything, everything that's being sold on TV anyway. We're to think of ourselves as undeserving recipients of grace. You see, we're all in the same boat. We are all dependent upon God, and ultimately, no matter what we might think we've accomplished on our own, everything is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift because it can be taken away in a moment. And whatever we've become would have not been possible without His providence and grace. So we have nothing to brag about. We have nothing to prove. And if we honestly believe we deserve nothing we've been given, we'll not feel slighted when God gives something to someone else. We'll just thank him for what he has given to us. Now, if we'll get a proper perspective on self, we will avoid the vast majority of conflicts that cause problems in personal relationships. But there's one word of caution here. Our goal is not simple avoidance of conflict. We can avoid conflicts by avoiding relationships. Now, we can get along with everyone by doing nothing with or for anyone. Obviously, that's not what Paul is encouraging us to do here. He wants us to build good relationships and then to put those good relationships into good use, to utilize them for God's glory. Let's read on. Chapter 6. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. To be in a relationship, you have to be involved with others. There's no relationship in isolation. And the purpose of the church is to bring people into relationship with their creator and with each other. Church is not intended to be a personal experience. It's an interpersonal one. The law of Christ is that we love one another as he has loved us, that we care for one another, that we get involved in one another's lives, that we depend 
on one another. We are all members of the same body. And as such, Paul says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. That's why we share with each other our needs and and our joys. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we enter into each other's lives, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And the example Paul gives does make most of us uncomfortable. He says, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one. Now, this is directed to all of us who are in Christ, who are spiritual, who are walking in the Spirit, in whom the fruit of the Spirit is being produced. We not only have to get involved in each of those lives, we've got to intervene when someone is caught in a trespass. That's an interesting phrase, when someone is caught in a trespass. That, that can mean sin caught them, or it can mean that we caught them in sin. Either way, if we see a brother fall into sin, we've got to do something. Now, the word for trespass does indicate a slip-up, a fall. It's an unintentional wandering into sin, like wandering into someone's field and not seeing the no trespassing sign. It doesn't really speak of rebellious, defiant sin. There may be nothing we can do in, in that situation. But if a brother falls... We're to do everything we can to help him get up again, to restore him, to repair him. The word is often used medically of setting a broken bone. With that picture in mind, I think Paul adds, do it in a spirit of gentleness. We don't want someone being any rougher than they need to be when setting a bone. You want them to do what has to be done, but you want them to do it carefully and gently. And that's the way we're to handle our brothers and sisters when they're in need of help. And that's especially true when dealing with a spiritual problem. Then notice Paul gives a warning here. A warning to the one seeking to restore the fallen brother. He says, look to yourself lest you be tempted. Now, I don't think he's talking about our being tempted by the sin that ensnared our brother, that by helping him, we might get sucked into his sin. He's still talking about the way we handle the situation. I think he's saying we must be careful that we don't come into the situation with a holier-than-thou attitude, that we start thinking we're better than our brother because we didn't get caught in sin. We start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, that we find ourselves being filled with spiritual pride. If that were to happen, relationships obviously would be destroyed and would soon be back into challenging or envying one another. To keep that from happening, we've got to make certain we're thinking about others and not ourselves, even when helping someone. 
We've got to keep our motives pure as we seek to bear one another's burdens. We must utilize the relationships we've established in the church for the benefit of the church. We are to build good relationships in the church so we can build up the body of Christ, not so we can build up ourselves. A proper evaluation of self is the key here. It's the key to establishing good relationships, to utilizing good relationships, and to maintaining good relationships. Verses 3 through 5. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one shall bear his own load. Now, some relationships are going to fall apart in spite of our best efforts. Some people are going to be competing with us and envying us, even if we aren't competing with them. But most relationships can be maintained if we will keep self in check. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, and apart from Christ, we are all nothing, He deceives himself. And if we're living in a fantasy world with exaggerated views of self, it's inevitable that we will destroy any relationships that have been established. So how do we avoid thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think? We've been talking about this for months in Galatians, this problem of self. How do we avoid thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to? Quite simply, we stop comparing. We stop comparing. Now, the quickest way to destroy a relationship is through comparisons. And I think that's why Paul says, let each one examine his own work. We're not to examine someone else's work. Because when we examine their work, we will inevitably compare it with our own. That's true of comparable works in general. And it's true when comparing what someone is putting into a relationship. So easy to start thinking, I'm putting more into this relationship than he is. I'm trying harder than she is. I'm giving in more. Than he does. And when we start comparing contributions in a relationship, we're in trouble. Because we'll always convince ourselves that we are putting in more than our fair share. Besides, how do we really know what someone else is putting into a relationship? How do we know how hard they're trying? Maybe they are giving all they've got. But irrespective of that, it's not our place to judge our brother's efforts or his motives. Man, if we could stop doing that, our homes would be holding together. It's not our place to judge our spouse's 
efforts or motives. We're simply to judge ourselves in this matter. We're to make certain that we are doing all we can do to establish a good relationship and good relationships in the body itself. That we are utilizing those relationships to build up the body. That we are carrying whatever load we must to keep relationships in the body healthy. I think that's what Paul's talking about in verse 5 when he says, For each one must bear his own load. Now, I realize that sounds like a contradiction of what he has said back in verse 2. And that's especially true if we're reading it from the King James, where verse 2 reads, Bear ye one another's burdens. And verse 5 reads, For every man must bear his own burden. So which is it? Do we bear one another's or do we bear our own? Sounds like a contradiction, but there surprisingly isn't. Not in the original language. In verse 2, Paul is talking about an overwhelming weight, a burden a man cannot bear by himself. Something he needs help with. In those situations, we need to bear one another's burdens. But in verse 5, the word he used was of the load that can be found in a backpack. Something a man can and must bear by himself. It speaks of personal responsibilities and individual accountability before God. What Paul is saying is that God will hold each man accountable for what he does. And that must be our only concern when it comes to personal relationships. What are we doing? Besides, we can't control what others do anyway. Nothing more frustrating than trying to control someone else. And you can't. You can't. God doesn't even try to control you. He's given you freedom. We can't control others. We can, with God's help and through the power of His Spirit, control ourselves. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. And we'll be judged accordingly. We'll be judged by how we control ourselves. Whether we are bearing the burden we have to maintain relationships. We're doing what's required of us in comparison to no one else. And we can work to establish good relationships in the church. We can make the effort to get to know our brothers and sisters and to become involved in one of those lives. We can then utilize those relationships for the building up of the body. We can minister to one another. And be there during the bad times, as well as the good times. And we can maintain good relationships with each other by making certain that we are walking in the Spirit. 
that we are keeping the deeds of the flesh in check and cultivating the garden in which the fruit of the Spirit can flourish. And we begin building good relationships with one another in the church by becoming good friends with Jesus. If we've honestly established a relationship with him and become his friend, we will be friends with each other. Very simple. I hate to use the word pragmatic because that seems to be the rule by which everything is judged today. But I think this is a very pragmatic application of what he's been teaching us in Galatians. If we will keep self under control, we can be the body of Christ. We're intended to be. We can build relationships that will prove to be a blessing to us and to the community. We can be what he's called us to be. We can be friends. We can be friends. If we're friends with Jesus. It's not just me and Jesus. Okay? It's my relationship with Jesus makes possible my relationship with you. Let's never forget that.